You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Rewind Football Fantasy. Fantasy Football Rewind. Welcome, Fantasy Football Rewind. My name is Tony Cicada. We are here absolutely getting it done. One of the things we're going to do today is we're going to look at the running back position and check out their ADP on how they finish and is there any reliability at looking at their running back position. When we come to drafts next year, we'll get Mike Florio, Craig Sussman, and Frankie Stonfell. Yes, these guys are amazing. They get excited. They get me excited. And here are the guys. Yo! This is the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. And this is the Fantasy Football Best Friends Forever. Alongside the Fantasy Salad, Frank Stanfield, Michael Florio, I am Greg Sussman. Mikey's still banished to the basement. And uh, just us, Frank. Yeah. I mean, Mike's here. Yeah, He's no, Mike's up, here. Up here. Just, you know, let's not mislead the Agreed. listening community. Agreed. Michael Florio will be on the show. Yes. Just You're trying to kill me off. He's got some kind other of, responsibilities. Kind of, yes. Don't do that. Sorry. Mike, how are you, man? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I was better before you tried to kill me off. Sorry, man. Honestly, I struggled through the open. Like my voice was hurting. I could tell. It was noticeable. It wasn't normal. You said this is the Fantasy Sports <laughs> Radio Network. My I was vo- like, this is normal. I, needed, I literally needed to cough like during the open, and I didn't want to do it, so I just like humbled it a little bit. Is it wrong that I kind of wish you did? Yes. Like that wouldn't have made the broadcast better, right? But it would have been funny just to watch. It's not very nice. It's a BFF kind of thing, you know. Like, I guess. Would have would have been a bad job, Greg, though. <laughs> a BJG. Yeah, that would have been, that would have been annoying. So, on the show today, we had a really good show yesterday, I thought, talking about uh, quarterbacks, ADP versus reality, and I really wanted to do that uh, again uh, with running backs. We said we were going to do it all week long, so today was the running backs, tomorrow's wide receivers, and Friday's the tight ends. Yeah, content. Um, <laughs> I think maybe, maybe we'll hold off on the tight ends until uh, next week, so we can just talk about playoff football on Friday, heading the weekend, make some predictions and stuff, so maybe we'll hold off on the tight ends until next week, but that's kind of the idea of, of what we're going to do this week, uh, and, and I think it's a good barometer of what can we learn from it, I guess. Was my question. Like, what can we learn from doing this exercise now uh, in August? Uh, I, I think that's the main part of doing this is trying to figure out. All right, why were these running backs drafted so high? Uh, which guys fell down? Why did that happen? What can we learn from that? Um, a lot of a big discussion that we're going to have, I'm sure, is about offensive lines or running backs on bad teams because it seems like those were a lot of the guys that ended up busting or uh, or falling down yep. in value. Uh, and then we'll look at some of the guys who you know broke out this year and why they did. And we're all gonna we're 
the whole point of this is trying to figure out if there's a trend, if there's a reason as to why these things happen, and maybe we can learn from that next year when we're trying to differentiate the breakouts from the bus. Uh, I, I totally I totally agree. We're trying to discover that trend and trying to and trying to discover uh, if there's certain guys we should be paying more attention to and, and certain guys that you know what maybe maybe we were wrong. Here's why we were wrong. I think like Cam Newton was an example yesterday that I pointed out. I was like, man, I I should have seen that. And I think that's what I'm trying to discover when it comes to the running backs. Florio, same question to you. What are you trying to learn here? I think there's a lot more to learn from the bust than for the biggest risers. A lot of the risers, so much has changed. And they, their running backs, they were behind on the depth chart, and the player in front of them got hurt or or traded in the case of the Saints, something along that. So I think there's a lot more to learn from the bus rather than the guys who broke out. Okay, fair, fair enough. So we take a, we take a look, and one of the guys I thought would be a bust, and I said it all off season, was Duke Johnson. I wanted nothing to do with this dude. I didn't like the consistency last year, so I was off everywhere on Duke Johnson. I'll tell you where I had an ADP uh, in a little bit. But when we come back, we'll talk about the reality that was Duke Johnson and just how good he was in half four BBR leagues. Stick around. Don't be a Duke hater, winning. man. Carlos, I- Don't be a Duke hater because Duke was the man. You're listening to Fantasy Football Rewind. We'll take a quick break and we'll be back with more after this. We're going to break down the ADP of running backs in the National Football League. sad like a little puppy because the lineup love show brought to you by dailyroto.com is now doing the nba 6 to 7 p.m eastern don't be sad i got scooby snacks for you that's right dfs today brought to you by dailyroto.com on itunes you get dfs information every day fantasy football quarterbacks running backs wide receivers tight ends subscribe to dfs today brought to you by dailyroto.com on itunes Hey, this is Greg Sussman from the Roto Experts in the Morning, and, and listen, we can all use a little help sometimes. That's why I talk to three guys every single day, and they help me with my fantasy teams. But if you need help with your fantasy teams, and you probably do, you should purchase the Roto Experts Exclusive Edge Fantasy Football In-Season Package, featuring weekly lineup ranks, chats with our experts every single day, and player cards for every player in the NFL, including reports from InsideInjuries.com. You cannot beat it. Don't set your lineups without checking the Roto Experts Exclusive Edge In-Season Package. Are you new to Daily Fantasy? Are you a veteran? Either way, you can better your chances of winning money and lots of it by going to DailyRoto.com. Multiple people have become millionaires thanks to the guys at Daily Roto. Why not take advice from the experts? You can become a millionaire too. Just go to DailyRoto.com to rock Daily Fantasy Sports. If your credit card bills have gotten out of hand, call Consolidated Credit now. If you're making the minimum payments, but your balance is just not going down, call Consolidated Credit now. If the interest rates on your credit cards are so high, it will take years to get out of debt, call Consolidated Credit now. They've helped over 5 million people with credit card debt. They can consolidate your debts into one lower payment, reduce your interest rates, and get you out of debt fast. If you're struggling with credit card debt, the first step is yours. Call Consolidated Credit now. Call 800 800- 
800-220-3479. That's 800-220-3479. Consolidated Credit Counseling Services Incorporated, 5701 West Sunrise Boulevard, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33313. Not a loan company. Licensed by the New York Department of Financial Services or by the Vermont Department of Financial Regulation. Maryland DM-19, Oregon DM-80031. Licensed by the Virginia State Corporation Commission. License number DC-32. Does your fantasy football team suck? <laughs> Did you draft David Johnson with the first pick? <laughs> I can help you out. Go to iTunes, subscribe to Stand Up Fantasy. I will make your whole life better and put a little smile on your face, make you happy. Maybe you find a significant other just by changing some bowling shoes. Maybe you'll worry about things a lot less. Stand Up Fantasy at iTunes. Subscribe now. Welcome back, Fantasy Football Rewind. My name is Tony Cicado. We are here breaking down ADPs for running backs. Let's see what we got, what the guys got. We're talking Duke Johnson. Before we went to break, the Duke, the Duke. Here is the guys from the Fantasy Best Friends. Stay up that late. Subscribe. That's Tony Cicado. Running back 46 for me. Mike Florio, where was Duke Johnson ranked for you? Running back 46 in PPR. All right. It's kind of crazy that we keep How about that? doing this. Pretty close. Uh, my... Frank Stample, unprepared, is looking for. I'm trying, buddy. He's trying to get trying. his rankings up there. Um, he's got in half point PBR. He's got Duke Johnson at number forty five. I was the high guy. The high guy on Duke Johnson <laughs> was Frank Stample. Frankie, where did he finish in half point PBR in 2017? He finished RB fifteen, Greg Sussman. In RB fifteen, he was a rock solid high end RB two in the half point PBR. Surprising. Definitely, Clearly. for sure, yeah. <laughs> Based on where you know we had him ranked, uh, I'm not going to say that we were the low guys in the industry. I think this was kind of consensus. Maybe there were a few people that had him ranked a little bit higher in the kind of flex discussion. Um, but what he did this year is kind of a lot of what we expected Isaiah Crowell to do. And obviously not the, the receiving, because Duke Johnson was a beast in the receiving game. 93 targets. We saw early on in the year he was lining up in the slot. He was playing some wide receiver for this team when they were kind of void of offensive weapons. 74 receptions, 693 receiving yards, three receiving touchdowns. But we saw him do a lot of damage in the red zone this year, too, where... That's where he took away the most from Isaiah Crowell. He had four rushing touchdowns, you know. Maybe if you tag some of his rushing production, the 350 rushing yards and, and those four touchdowns, you take some of that away, put it on Isaiah Crowell, then maybe Crowell would have been closer to where we actually wanted him to be. But I think this kind of emergence of Duke Johnson, maybe they knew they know that they're going to let Isaiah Crowell walk in free agency, and that's part of the reason why they let Duke Johnson kind of just handle so much of the word, uh, the workload, rushing and receiving. Uh, but that's really partially only... The only reason that I could think of why they didn't use Isaiah Crowell more, they kind of used Duke Johnson on the uh, on the ground more than him. Yeah, I, I I kind of agree with with most of what you were saying here, Frank. Mike Duke John, Duke Johnson, we all had a rank 45, 46. We thought Isaiah Crowell. It, well, that's what's really funny is where did you have Isaiah Crowell? Oh, I was very high on Isaiah Crowell. I had him. Oh my god, I, RB eleven. I had him at number ten. Flory, where did you have Isaiah Crowell? I had him in the same exact range. I'm looking at it right now. I had him. 
11. Okay, so we, every, all of them, I was the high guy on him at number 10. Um, Corey was the high guy. That's true. <laughs> you hear him laughing in the background. How did we all get the Crowell so wrong and Duke Johnson right? How did we just reverse this so badly, Floria? Uh, I think part of what we did, was, well, one of the big reasons for Crowell was the touchdowns. I mean, if we look at it, we said this was a guy who's going to carry the ball 200 times, and he did. He had the volume there. The yards per carry did go down a bit, but still, 853 yards, it's only 100 less than the year before. I know that's a, a pretty significant drop-off, but still, if he had you know those touchdowns in the 6, 7, 8 range, similar to last year, I don't think we would feel nearly as bad as we do on Crowell. A big part of that was Kaiser won, vultured him, and... Going back on Duke Johnson, yeah, he rushed the ball 82 times this year, but that's it. Like, if I told you coming into the year that Duke Johnson was going to rush 82 times and Isaiah Crowell was going to rush 200, you'd probably be cool with where we had them ranked coming into the year. It was just we really overlooked Duke Johnson's con contributions in the rush in the passing game. I mean, 188 catches in three NFL seasons, that's averaging over 60 receptions a year, and I know he had a career high this year with 74, but even last year, 53, his career low. I mean, 53 receptions, that, that is a lot. The touchdowns were up this year from what we've seen ever from Duke Johnson ever do, but still, he gives you a safe floor with that receiving. We just thought it would be a little bit more inconsistent, but the Browns are trailing every game this year. I think we also may have thought Cleveland would be a little bit better than having zero wins. Yeah. Oh, without a doubt. No, <laughs> definitely. Thought, I definitely thought they were going to improve. We kind of... A little bit. Uh, I was drinking the offensive line Kool-Aid, too, that yeah. they had such a good offensive line. I thought that they would do uh, kind of what the Dallas Cowboys have done, and just kind of like, all right, you're easing in a rookie quarterback. Why don't you just run the ball a ton, try to con control uh, time of possession, don't have your defense on the field that much, but it didn't work out that way. And uh, just looking at the, the red zone usage here, Isaiah Crowell had 22 carries inside the red zone for one touchdown. Deshaun Kaiser had 17 carries inside the red zone with five touchdowns. Mike is right. That's a huge part of the of the hit in value that Isaiah Crowell took this year. Those five rushing touchdowns that Deshaun Kaiser had, those are the five rushing touchdowns that Crowell missed this year sure, from last year. Sure. He had seven a year ago. He only had two this year. And then... Duke Johnson had 12 inside the red zone for four, another four. So really, Isaiah Crowell was uh, just, he didn't get the job done inside the red zone. He had the most carries, but some of these other guys were better. And uh, the quarterback vultured some of them. My biggest takeaway here is that they were trailing in a lot of games. That's something that we have to pay attention to moving forward. And because they were trailing so much, Duke Johnson was on the field. They were in the hurry-up offense. They weren't trying to switch out personnel just to get Isaiah Crowell on the field in red zone. When they're, you know... In comeback mode, they're just leaving Duke Johnson out there. So I think you know next year uh, when it comes to draft season, when we're looking at teams, maybe teams that we don't expect to be as competitive, guys that might be trailing a lot, maybe we look at the pass catching back a little bit more and think that he'll play uh, more in the red zone, or you know they're not going to necessarily switch out personnel because that's a lot of what we saw this year with the Cleveland Browns. For me, what I learned, sorry, Florio. For me, what I learned is, man, the same the same thing that I have learned every year. In all honesty, and it's stop taking running backs on bad teams. Not, like, pass-catching running backs is a little bit different because, Duke John because you know, the 70 receptions from Duke Johnson, they're always in comeback mode, as you said, Frank. And, like, they're always in comeback mode. And even if I thought Cleveland would be a little bit better, like, just a little bit, I still should have realized that even if they went 4-12, and 12, 12 times they have to come back. And that spells Duke Johnson. That doesn't spell Isaiah Crowell. I need to be more proactive with that. I know I was super... It's interesting. One lead, in the league, I won a championship, and I went up with Jordan Howard and Carlos Hyde, two guys on bad teams as running backs. But the difference was, Carlos Hyde was able to catch before Jimmy G, before they started winning. Carlos Hyde was catching all his passes out of the backfield. Jordan Howard, especially that early season, he wasn't. It was all about Tariq Terry Cohen. So that was my biggest takeaway from this Crowell-Duke Johnson misfire that I had. Floria? 
No, you're definitely right. But I also think a big part of it is, like, I know Frank brought up the red zone carries for Crowell. He only had six fewer than last season. But where it really impacted him was inside the five-yard line. He saw almost half as many last year, and five of his touchdowns came from inside the five. So I don't want to give us a pass, but I don't think any of us foresaw Kaiser being the being basically what Cam Newton has done to his running backs all those years, and I think that's kind of what happened here. And you you couple that with the fact that Duke Johnson's the pass catcher, and the Browns are trailing so often, and it's hard to put up fantasy value when you're you know you are seeing the volume, but you're not seeing it where it matters most inside the red zone. Greg, for what you mentioned on uh, of running backs on bad teams, nine of the top ten running backs in half PPR were on teams with a, fi- a record of five hundred or better. There you go. As as I look at it here, I believe the top. Uh, seven out of the top eight running backs are all playoff teams. Are all on playoff teams. The yeah. only one is, is not Melvin is not Melvin Gordon. Who yeah. you know? But we, they still were over five hundred. Well, I mean, they were in it to literally the last minute of the day. Yeah. So and, and the, realistically, they're they're better than the two AFC wildcard teams. Right. Right. <laughs> they, they are. So Carlos Hyde is the only one that you mentioned. Correct. That is on a team that didn't make the playoffs. A team that finished under five hundred. Uh, but he was he was the workhorse for them, and you know he saw an uptick in receiving right. something that we have never seen before out of Carlos Hyde. Correct. So. If I had to do it again, if I knew what I knew, I probably wouldn't even take Carlos Hyde again. Like I like, I took Carlos Hyde. I was high on him because I thought he was good, and I thought he, I like Kyle, Kyle Shanahan offenses for running backs, and they, yeah. I stand by that. So maybe it's an exception to the rule more than anything else. But I wouldn't, even, as much as I love Jordan Howard, I, I wouldn't have not have gone back to that well. I wouldn't have done Isaiah Crowell, obviously. Um, I would look at all these, all these stupid teams when like we try to find the running back of the Giants, or the running back of Seattle. They're like, no, yeah. I'm not doing this. That's what I need to learn. Yeah, the analysis, I, I need to remember this. Too. The analysis on Carlos Hyde, it, you were spot on too because you said Kyle Shanahan, he's going to use his running back and he's going to use him uh, in in different ways too. Like yeah. Not only going to be a traditional running back but going to catch the ball to the backfield and we saw Carlos Hyde kind of take off in that regard as well. So whether he's there next year, whether they use an early draft pick on a running back, I think that's where we're going to be looking for fantasy production next year is that San Francisco 49ers offense with an improving Jimmy G. Hopefully they bring him back uh, second year in that Kyle Shanahan offense. Whoever is that running back, I think you're going to want a part of it next year. I, I, I agree one, with that. I know things could switch up with free agency and stuff, but one thing I think we need to remember as well is like, yeah, Crowell finishes RB31. We'll take a quick break. We'll be back with more of their running back assessments based on ADP. You listen to Fantasy Football Rewind. These are the Fantasy Football BFFs, which you can hear every Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern, on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. We're back with more Fantasy Football after this. It never gets old. All right, everyone. Two truths, one lie. I was going to be on The Real World. I play the oboe. And I saved a kid's life. You definitely never saved a kid's life. I'm serious. Last summer, I donated bone marrow to a kid who had leukemia. Saving a life. The truth is, it's easier than you think. Learn how at (laughs) DKMS.org. Who knew we were living with a hero? Um, A hero (laughs) who plays the oboe. (laughs) Hey, I'm Jeff. Look. I'm just a skeleton. I don't have an ACL anymore, but I still like to know what it means when one of my fantasy players sprains his. That's why I use the Inside Injuries app. It was created by real doctors. So you're getting information directly from people who have seen, touched, and operated on actual ACLs. Take it from me, a skeleton. If you aren't using it, you might as well just be guessing. Download the free app today. 
unlock the secrets of injury analysis. Ezekiel Elliott, Carl Anthony Towns, Corey Seager. Those are the rookies of the year, much like the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. The fastest growing fantasy sports network on radio is completely free, 24-7. Listen to us live at FNTSY.com slash radio or download the app right now in the Google Play Store or on iTunes. Have you written a book and want to get it published? Then call Page Publishing at 800-955-3793 immediately. That's 800-955-3793. Page Publishing is looking for authors of all types of books. And unlike most publishers, Page Publishing will take the time to review each and every book submitted to them and give you their feedback. If they like what they read, they'll get your book into bookstores and for sale online at Amazon, the Apple iTunes Store, Barnes & Noble, and other outlets. They handle everything. Editing, cover design, copyright protection, printing, publicity, and distribution. So if you've written a novel, children's book, cookbook, inspiration, work, poetry, or a biography and want to get it published, then you need to call Page Publishing and do it immediately. Call 800-955-3793 now for your free author submission kit. Again, for your free author submission kit, call 800-955-3793. That's 800-955-3793. Your road to fame and fortune could very well start with this simple phone call. Call Page Publishing at 800-955-3793 for your free author submission kit. What's going on, Maria? Let me tell you something. You look excited. I'm so excited. What are you excited for? Uh, Lineup Lock Live, which is our show every Sunday on Fantasy Sports Network, Dish, Television, YouTube Live, and on the Fantasy Radio app. I'm excited to wake up early with you on Sunday mornings, 9 a.m. Eastern Time, all the way to kickoff. Four hours. Absolutely. It's going to be the two of us, Emery Hunt, and a cast of experts. Experts that win fantasy football championships, and they want to help you win, too. So we'll talk sit starts. We'll talk injuries. We'll talk weather, and we will take your calls and yes. questions and help you win your leagues and win that cash. So good. So fun. So excited. What I can I say? I cannot think of doing anything else on a Sunday morning. I don't need eggs. I don't need <laughs> prayer. I just need lineup lock live, 9 a.m. to kick off Easter. Be there. Play on Fantasy Draft, the only daily fantasy site where every head-to-head contest is rake-free, including contests you create. Fantasy Draft also gives you the ability to block up to 25 players from entering your head-to-head contest. With a $1 million prize pool and 200000 to the winner, Fantasy Draft is running their inaugural NFL Live Final, the Carolina Million. Sign up today at FantasyDraft.com with promo code FNTSY and experience players first for yourself. Fantasy Draft, daily fantasy on a level playing field. Does your fantasy football team suck? (laughs) Did you draft David Johnson with the first pick? (laughs) I can help you out. Go to iTunes, subscribe to Stand Up Fantasy. I will make your whole life better and put a little smile on your face, make you happy. Maybe you find a significant other just by changing some bowling shoes. Maybe you'll worry about things a lot less. Stand Up Fantasy at iTunes. Subscribe now. Welcome back to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. My name is Tony Cicada. Let's get back to the Fantasy BFFs as they bring us running back ADP information. And they're getting it done, man. They're doing a super job. Super. 
Pierre, uh, the BFFs. That more, you really couldn't trust any week. Like, he had some bigger games than others, but you couldn't trust this guy. No doubt, no doubt no, you, about it. You had no idea when to play him. He was a best ball play. That's all he was. When he had those big weeks, he was going to end up being in your best ball lineup. But other than that, you didn't really know. What I'll be interesting to see is, for everything we just said about the Cleveland Browns, how bad they are, if they draft Saquon Barkley... Are we just throwing all that out the window because he's like a transcendent talent? Yep. All right. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Another running back that we need to talk about who we drafted way too high and all of us are way too high on is DeMarco Murray. I'll explain exactly why when we come back on the BFFs. Yeah, they're playing Ain't that. a rookie quarterback. Oh, what the hell happened there? They're playing that crazy dance song there, right? What's it called? The Macarena? Oh, I don't know. I think it's – I'm not very in flux with my dance songs, though. I'm there. Fantasy Football Rewind. My name's Tony Sakata. Here are the guys with uh, Mambo number five. I don't know. Here they game DK Mets Challenge. We're going to try to send someone to the Super Bowl. Check it out. Then it comes 8 a.m. hour. Comes your way. Roto Experts. Where did you have DeMarco Murray rank, Frankie? That's a great question, Greg. Let's find yes. out. RB8 coming into the season. Michael, same question. RB7 in PPR. I had him ranked, but this is all said and done, this is clearly unupdated. Uh, I had him ranked as RB4-6 in PVR, in half-point PPR. The high guy, Greg Sussman. So please explain yourself, Greg. Well, if you, we go back to the GST draft uh, with the BFFs, team that made the playoffs, by the way. Um, we drafted DeMarco Murray with the 11th pick overall in the first round. And we drafted him looking at what he did last year. It was a great year for Tennessee. And we were wrong. And I think it kind of changed a little bit as we got deeper and deeper in the draft season. Like a week later, he dropped a little bit. A week after that, he dropped a little bit. And we got it wrong, and I think we probably should have seen it coming a little bit. Like, just like we talked about Mariota yesterday, that so much was revolving around how that great that schedule was. We should have said the same thing for DeMarco Murray. Also, twice in that GST draft, we drafted the older player. Not over the younger player, but the older player thinking that he could have a continuation of what he did the year before. DeMarco Murray, not over Derrick Henry, but, you know, DeMarco Murray. But Jeff Spencer Ware, also, despite the presence of Kareem Hunt. And another thing I learned, and this is what we're trying to do this for, is that I don't ever want the old guy. That's that's not fun. It's not fun, number one, and it's also not smart, number two. DeMarco Murray, certainly Spencer Ware gets hurt, but DeMarco Murray wasn't really reliable ever. Like, I know the numbers this year, 659 uh, yards rushing, I think, uh, seven touchdowns, something like that. It, certainly towards the end of the year, you never wanted to play DeMarco Murray. He was the most, one of the most common questions we had is, do I start DeMarco Murray or do I start blank? And most of those times, we, we went with the blank because we couldn't trust DeMarco Murray. Not with the presence of Derrick Henry. And even though we knew, Frank, that Derrick Henry was there, we still had no qualms to take, about taking Murray in that first round. And that was a big mistake. Yeah, consensus ADP had DeMarco Murray RB6 off the board where you had him ranked as well towards the end of that first round, early second round. This this is a bad job, everybody, who drafted yeah. him at that point because all the, warning very signs, much included. all the warning signs were there. I mean, Derrick Henry on the rise, and he was dealing with a hamstring injury in camp. That That is one of the biggest things that we need to take away from is pay attention to injuries during camp, especially hamstring injuries, leg injuries to running backs. I mean, another running back that we're going to discuss who ended up busting was Jay Ajayi, and he was dealing with injuries during camp as well. Obviously, there were other reasons why he ended up busting. Miami Dolphins were not a good team early on in the season. Well, overall, for most of the season, they weren't good, but pay attention to injuries during training camp. Try and draft as close to the uh, beginning of the regular season as possible if you can, but there were just so many warning signs there with 
DeMarco Murray. I mean, the efficiency was down 3.6 yards per carry. He scored the six touchdowns, but very similar to an Isaiah Crowell on a week-to-week basis. You didn't know when to use this guy. And like you mentioned, by the end of the season, he was barely in the flex discussion. So I think that's just a bad job, everybody. And the warning signs were there. We should have realized. I, so I think, I'm sorry, Mike. I, I think it depends on the on the injury, right? Like some guys get injured and then explode. So and we, we talk a lot about the injuries during the summer. I just think there's certain ones that we brush off that we shouldn't. Like we see a hamstring for like a 29-year-old running back. That should have been a red alert. The only person it was red alert for was Scott Engel, who was just who immediately dropped him six spots in his rankings. I'm like, Scott, what are you doing? He's like, listen, this is a hamstring injury. Like, I don't know that he's gonna be hundred percent. I can't trust this guy. And I called Scott out for that, and I was wrong. Like, he was right. Like, this guy's an aging running back with a young guy behind him that we I should have immediately been like, This isn't worth it. And I feel stupid thinking we had Todd Gurley behind him when he was the only guy there. Like, no, no doubt we didn't think the Rams being this good, the offense being this explosive. I get it. But it was Todd Gurley, nobody else. We could, I mean, we could have said the same thing about Jordan Howard, too. We I could mean, have said the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. Jordan Howard over DeMarco Murray, Same too. with Jay Ajayi. You know, Jay Ajayi busted, but same thing with Jay Ajayi. He was the only guy there. Yep. So, you know, I, I look at DeMarco Murray, and that injury, like, you're right, especially because it was a hamstring injury, that should have been enough of a warning sign. The presence of Derrick Henry should have been enough of a warning sign. It wasn't, Florio. I kind of want to challenge you guys a little bit on this. You throw the flag. Because DeMarco Murray, yeah, he was a huge bust this year. And you guys brought up good points. There's, there's Derrick Henry. But we thought that this offense would have enough volume. And DeMarco Murray, in his defense, for I know he did not have nearly the amount of volume he did the year ago, but he was banged up. And that's the biggest key. Like I agree with Frank 100%. The injury is huge, but he still carried almost 200 times. We still know Derrick Henry can't catch out of the backfield. That's going to be DeMarco Murray's role, and it was this year. I, I'm a by-the-numbers kind of guy. What in the numbers from two years ago? Like, if we're trying to learn, besides avoiding people who are injured in training camp, which is a great lesson, what in the numbers from 2016 says that we should have avoided DeMarco Murray coming into this year? Because, yeah, the results weren't there, but bad results don't always mean that you did you made the wrong choice. No, it doesn't. But here's another stat I do want to give you. You mentioned that uh, DeMarco Murray had almost 200 carries this year. That, that's true. He had 184 to be exact. Derrick Henry had 176. That is a clean, even split. Literally eight more carries for DeMarco Murray. I get it. 17 receptions for Derrick Henry um, compared to 39 for DeMarco Murray. So he, or 11, wait, am I looking at 11 receptions or 17? Where am I here? Uh, I was looking at targets. So 11 receptions for Derrick Henry, 39 for DeMarco Murray. He tripled him in that stat. So you're right with that, Florio. Like, he's definitely the passing down back. But this offense, like, we were just too high on it in general. Like, that's the answer. We said it yesterday when it came to Mariota. We were just too high on it in general, and that was a mistake. We like the offensive line, too. Uh, we do, absolutely. And uh, according to Football Outsiders, that do a lot of work with metrics and, and grading offensive lines. Uh, according to them, the Tennessee Titans were the 23rd run-blocking team this year. So it, it leads you to believe that... Um, the Titans' offensive line could be part of the reason why, you know, the offense overall didn't play well. I mean, you put some of that on Mariota as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he didn't take the step forward that we were expecting. Obviously, that's going to affect the run game, too, and vice versa. The run game wasn't effective. The pass game uh, didn't get the job done. So those things kind of go hand in hand. You're not driving the ball down the field as much. You're not getting scoring opportunities. You're not in the red zone. That all kind of leads to, you know, what happened with DeMarco Murray. But uh, to, an- to kind of answer Mike's question, what he was asking was, was there anything in the numbers last year that showed – this kind of demise coming for DeMarco Murray. And really, there wasn't. I think it's just we needed to know that he was one year older. He was a 29-year-old running back, and it was the second year of Derrick Henry. I mean, they drafted this guy in the second round for a reason. I think it's kind of we should have just realized that, okay, 
one more year. Uh, he's going to be more involved. And on top of that, DeMarco Murray was dealing with the hamstring injury. So I think it's all kind of encompassing. But there really was no statistical you know, trend from one year ago that showed us that he was going to drop off. No, there was no statistical trend. I, I agree with that. But... Can we use common sense? Did you have to hire? Yeah, no, that's what it is. It's just logic. Yeah. Sometimes you have to winner. We have to take ago. all of those things into yeah. consideration. It's yeah. not just everything isn't all in the numbers. You have to take kind of the human element yeah, into it. That's what that's what EY tries to do at always, times. Always says that. And you know, we have to just we have to bring logic into it as well. Yeah. But Derrick Henry had 110 rushes the year before. So it's and not how many and how many did Demarco Murray? 293. That's so like, he's, so, he's severely, so, he nearly tripled. So it's yeah. it's not though like when if you would have told us coming into the year that Derrick Henry is going to have 175 carries, we'd be like, all right, but Demarco Murray is still going to have 250. Like looking at last year's offense and, and with this offensive line and that we thought this was going to be a team that could win this division, I think that we all would have thought that all right, yeah, his carries are going to go down, but he's still going to have enough where he can be an RB, a back end RB one. So I, I I agree with that wholeheartedly that we would have said that. But some of the names that we named before, Todd Gurley, Jay Ajayi, uh, Jordan Howard, we would have had above him if he told us that. I mean, originally I had Ajayi over him. You remember that. I, was, I, I, was, a, I was very Jai. high I was on Ajayi. Just one second. But I think there was more Either way, proof. I mean, if you drafted Ajayi over DeMarco, I mean, you're in the same predicament anyways. So. I think there was more proof to avoid Ajayi, and you guys know this. I would... uh, guys, break it down. Jay Ajayi, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more on Fantasy Football Rewind. So don't go anywhere. Talking Fantasy Football. Yeah, baby. I owe the IRS $10,000. The IRS garnished my wages. They put a lien on my house. The IRS is the most powerful collection agency in the world. They do not give up until you pay. I couldn't sleep. We were being audited. I called Tax Solutions Now, and a great big weight was lifted off my shoulders. I called Tax Solutions Now, and they got the IRS off my back. Tax Solutions Now had my wage garnishment lifted in 48 hours. Tax Solutions Now can get you help. Our agents know the rules, can stop the pain, and get you the best deal. We can Connect you with a team of former IRS agents and tax professionals who will get the IRS off your back. We saved our home and overcame the most powerful collection agency in the world. Call Tax Solutions now. Time is running out. Call 800-910-9962. It never gets old. All right, everyone. Two truths, one lie. I was going to be on The Real World. I play the oboe, and I saved a kid's life. You definitely never saved a kid's life. I'm serious. Last summer, I donated bone marrow to a kid who had leukemia. Saving a life. The truth is, it's easier than you think. Learn how at DKMS.org. <laughs> who knew we were living with a hero? Um, a hero <laughs> who plays the oboe. <laughs> With Thermospa's unique built-in thermal filtration system, you simply fill it with a garden hose and your water stays crystal clear with very little maintenance. Right now, they're offering 0% APR financing with approved credit and a $1,250 savings coupon. Call Thermospas today at 800-603-6422 for your free DVD videos and brochure. That's 800-603-6422. Call 800-603-6422 today to take advantage of 0% APR financing. 
Have you written a book and want to get it published? Then call Page Publishing at 800-955-3793 immediately. That's 800-955-3793. Page Publishing is looking for authors of all types of books. And unlike most publishers, Page Publishing will take the time to review each and every book submitted to them and give you their feedback. If they like what they read, they'll get your book into bookstores and for sale online at Amazon, the Apple iTunes Store, Barnes & Noble, and other outlets. They handle everything. Editing, cover design, copyright protection, printing, publicity, and distribution. So if you've written a novel, children's book, cookbook, inspiration, work, poetry, or a biography and want to get it published, then you need to call Page Publishing and do it immediately. Call 800-955-3793 now for your free author submission kit. Again, for your free author submission kit, call 800-955-3793. That's 800-955-3793. Your road to fame and fortune could very well start with this simple phone call. Call Page Publishing at 800-955-3793 for your free author submission kit. Welcome back to Fantasy Football Rewind on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. We're here absolutely getting it done. Hope you guys are part of the solution, not part of the problem. So I hope you're getting it done as well. And we're getting things done together. Day by day, minute by minute, we keep producing the results of winners. And people want to grow up to be us because we're fantasy football stalwarts. Back to the fantasy BFFs. Poo-pooing him a lot during draft season. I thought there was more proof to avoid him. Injury concern with the knee. The fact that all of his, a lot of his production came on a couple of big runs last year. And a lot, more than half his carries went for less than three yards. I thought there was more against Ajayi than Murray personally. Let's talk about Jay Ajayi here for a second. You had him where when it was all said and done, Frank? I think I had him one spot behind DeMarco Murray. I had him. Oh, no, I had him six. I had RB6. I had him number eight. Uh, and he fell a little bit in one of my drafts. I had him at number eight. Where did you have him, Mike? I had him RB9, and I'm mad at myself that I didn't put him behind Gurley because that was something I strongly considered. I had him one spot ahead of Gurley. He actually went for the, him, Isaiah Crowell, and Jay Ajayi all went in my auction for the same exact amount of $41. Jay Ajayi, Todd Gurley, and Isaiah Crowell. Imagine that. Um, so Ajayi, I get it. Like, I, I, I get why I liked him. He was the only guy in Miami. He had those long runs, and we thought being the guy from the outset would change everything, right? That, like, they were going to rely on this guy. Adam Gase is in on him, and he was in on him. That That's true, but he just wasn't... The offense in general just wasn't very good, and then he got traded, and it was a disaster. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Uh, he was it. he was getting he was getting the volume with the Miami Dolphins, but uh, he just didn't score to be honest. And he wasn't a factor in the passing game either for whatever reason. You know, he did catch the ball at Boy- at Boise State, but just hasn't ca- uh, hasn't caught the ball much at the NFL level. And I don't think that's ever going to be part of his game at this level either. So uh, all of those things kind of encompassing the Dolphins were kind of a wreck early on in the season. Uh, I think that all kind of led to the demise. I still think he's a talented player. So do I. And listen, listen to this. As I go back in the game logs in week. Two, because you remember he had the bye week one. Yep. In week two, 28 carries for 122 yards. You drive the JHI, you're like, this is exactly what I expected, right? 28 carries for 122 yards. Perfect. A week later, he carried the ball just 11 times. And you're like, that's not his fault. That's Miami's fault. A week later, just 
12 carries for 46 yards, fine yards per carry, 3.8. Like, okay, not his fault. A week later, 25 carries, only at 77 yards, but 25 carries. And you're like, okay, the carries are there. A week later, 26 carries from 130. A week later, 23 carries. And bad effort against the Jets, you only have 51 yards. But when I saw that, 25, 26, 23, I'm like, Great! I don't like... He's going to find the end zone, ultimately. I would have told you, and I might have told you on this very show, that Jay Ajayi at that point is a buy-low candidate because look at those carries. Look at that number. Yeah, like there was going to be some positive regression Correct. eventually, right? Like all those carries are going to lead to some touchdowns eventually. He did not have more than 15 yeah. carries in a single game the rest of the year. As a member of the Philadelphia Eagles. And uh, with, the Dolph- with, with Dolphins for one more game yeah. uh, after that. I think his value next year, unfortunately, is going to be hurt because Philly does not rely on the... And Carlos Hyde, you guys are bad teams as running backs, but... Now they have music. They have music that is like the piano. I like the piano. I think the piano is good music. I think they should have more piano and less craziness with the... um, I'm not about the, uh, the music that involves harmonicas. I'm not a harmonica guy. You like harmonicas? Not me. Here are the guys from the BFFs without the harmonicas. The one guy out of the out of this crew from, of Murray and McKinnon and Collins and Duke Johnson and Deion Lewis is Alvin Kamara. We're like, all right, he was a young guy, a lot of hype, looked good in the preseason, much like Kareem Hunt before where it goes down. Like, all right, we drafted him. Like, the fantasy community talked about him. Was it enough to hold on to him? Maybe that was the lesson learned, Frank. Like, okay, when you have a young guy like this and you're taking a shot in August, you have to give it a, a month or two on your bench to see if it's worth something. You can't be quick to cut him. That was my mistake with Alvin Kamara. I wasn't willing to wait. I cut Kamara for a hot free agent at the time, and it was a mistake. And Matt Wadika actually says it all the time on the Roto Experts. You have a bench for a reason. Like, he held on to Rex Burkhead all season long. That worked out. He held on to Corey Davis all season long. That didn't. So... It's kind of you know half and half here. Kamara, it obviously would have worked out with. My exact analysis for these guys breaking out this year, Alvin Kamara, Dion Lewis, Alex Collins, and the Viking, Vikings guys specifically, are to use your fab on running backs early on in the season. Or once we see some of those big performances, don't be scared to use your fab because you know maybe it's not just a flash in the pan, but that's kind of... That's kind of counterintuitive to what you just suggested. So I'm trying to find a middle ground here because, yes, you want to hold on to an Alvin Kamara as long as you can, but then perhaps you end up missing missing out on a guy who breaks out instead of him. But at that point, we didn't know that Alvin Kamara was going to break out. But if you hold on to some guys for too long who end up just being duds, then you miss out on some of the guys who you need to throw fab on who end up up – producing for the rest of the season it's just it's so hard to kind of uh, to weigh that maybe we need to use more of the eye test say all right if you watch Alvin Kamara play even in the limited you know number of snaps that he played he looks amazing maybe that's something that we should say all right like if he ever gets more of a workload then we know he can produce just based on what we've seen him do on the field so much but it's just it's so it's so tough. You know it's, what I'm trying to it's say, a right? It's battle between I, I volume do. and talent. It, it, yeah. It's so hard because I had this battle with, with Modica so many times. Like, I can't keep Rex Burkett. He hasn't played in seven weeks. I don't know when he's coming back. And it's the Patriots. Like, uh, Dan Lewis is playing great. I can't just pick up Rex Burkett and think anything's going to happen. I, ultimately, I was wrong, you know? Um, with the Vikings guys, like, I was somebody that lost Alvin Cook. And I sat there. I was during the Yankee playoff game. I'm sitting there next to my, uh, to my two friends. I'm like, I have no idea how much to bet on Latavius Murray. Like, it's Latavius Murray. Like, what am I doing? And I didn't. And I, I put in a bid that wasn't enough. And I, I, I honestly didn't regret it. I kept whoever I think I probably kept Corey Davis on my team at the time. And I didn't I really didn't regret it. Like a guy like Alex Collins, he didn't cost anything. He didn't cost fab. Like, he was a, somebody that I saw it once, so that's why I put a little flyer and put a couple bucks on him. That there was nothing crazy. Would I have dropped, in all honesty, would I have dropped an Alvin Kamara or a young stud for Alex Collins? 
Probably not. I think where we have to take advantage of, and this is kind of what you were saying, Frank, is when there's a clear answer, and I stand by that, it doesn't matter what week, week one, week two, week five, week 11, that's when you have to just take advantage of the clear answer. With Minnesota, I don't think it was with Murray and McKinnon. With Miami, you know, at week 11 or whenever it was, or early in that with J.J. got traded, I pounced. Like, I pounced on Kenyon Drake because, like, that was that, that was the one I was going to reference, Greg. I was going to say that was I, the answer. I, there was one we didn't bring up, and it was Kenyon Drake, and and that was later in the season. So I think a lot of it is luck. It's not necessarily, I don't, in my opinion, when you use your fab. It's just if there's a clear answer, like you say, Greggy, and if it ends up working out, because if Damian Williams doesn't get hurt, maybe it's not Kenyon Drake. It's rough to say because you know this is what we do every day. We talk fantasy football, sure. but there is luck involved, and you're in, if that guy is going to be the one that gets the work, because we could tell you. Kenyon Drake is the better player. But for those first two weeks after the trade, it, it was not like we were enamored with Kenyon Drake. But then he took off, and he led a lot of people to fantasy championships. Ooh, myself very much. <laughs> um, so, that, so that's kind of the deal with, with the guys that, that went off, except for one, and that was Mark Ingram. Where did you have Mark Ingram? I'll just I, had I had him RB20. You had him RB20. I had him RB22. Floria? I am pulling that up right now. I had him 22 as well in PPR. <laughs> um, so we all had him 20 to 22. And I feel like the literally the only reason for that was because we thought Sean Payton, which still probably do, hates Mark Ingram. Right? Like that was the entire basis of ranking him where we did. Because he had a really good season last year, didn't he? 20, 2016? Yeah, no, he was very good. Uh, rushed for 1,043 yards last year, six touchdowns, 46 receptions, and four more receiving. So he had 10 total touchdowns last year and... Nearly 1,400 total yards. We got scared off by 35-year-old Adrian Peterson. Even though he was good in Arizona or whatever. Well, not only that, Alvin Kamara too. We thought that maybe this could be like a three-headed beast where they all kind of take away from each other. And we thought that even though Mark Ingram was going to be the head of that committee, the lead beast, if you will, that the hatred by Sean Payton would take it back. Not not just that. It's also the fact that we still thought Drew Brees was going to be Drew Brees, as we discussed yesterday. We all had him ranked in our top three at quarterback. So we were thinking he was still going to be throwing the ball as much as he has been in years past. You look at how much the Saints have rushed in the last couple of years. There wasn't enough volume there to, to support three guys. I mean, not many offenses have enough to support three. But AP ended up leaving. They ended up completely changing this team, relying on the defense, which who saw that coming, relying on the run game. So even this one, like, yeah, we were wrong on Mark Ingram 100%. But it's a lot of circumstantial changes when it comes to the guys who end up hitting, in my opinion. And, it's, and again, this is another amazing thing because – you go back to the beginning of this season, week one, Mark Ingram had six carries for 17 yards, and you saw that he played Minnesota, and you're just like, oh, God, Minnesota, AP revenge game, Mark Ingram's not going to do anything. He had five catches for 54, so you're like, all right, the PPR, you're fine, but six for 17. A week later, against New England, eight for 52, and you're just like, this is my worst nightmare, Mark Ingram. And then, against Carolina, 14 for 56, against Miami, 14 for 45, no and this was all with, with AP there, And correct. this is all with AP there, absolutely right. And then against Detroit, there comes the explosion. 25 yeah. for 114, 22 for 105, 18 for 75, 16 for 77, 21 for 131, 11 for 134. And what is very interesting is as Alec Kamara did rise, like Mark Ingram was great, look at, look at these carries, gentlemen, from the last seven weeks of the season. Ready? 11 for 134. All right, Awesome. 11 for 31, 14 for 85, 12 for 49, 12 for 74, 13 for 44, 13 for 35. What do you make of that? Those numbers are really interesting. Yeah, him and Alvin Kamara were both big play reliant. And, I mean, as great of a season he had, he only had 230 carries. So it's not like he was a full work lo- a workhorse, one of these guys that's getting, you know, 300-plus yeah. touches. 
I don't think the analysis was wrong on Saints running backs coming into the season because I looked a lot at uh, the offensive tendencies for Sean Payton in terms of running backs before the season, and Mark Ingram and Deuce McAllister are the only two Saints running backs that have had seasons of 200-plus carries in Sean Payton's tenure. So I looked at that coming into the year, and as good as I li- as good as Mark Ingram was last year on a per-touch basis, uh, I wanted to be in on him. I had him RB20. I don't think you could have justified having him much higher than that just based on the way that we've seen Sean Payton use running backs in years past. He was always a big committee guy, even this year. When you read those carries over the last seven games, it's 13 carries, 14 carries, 11 carries. It was still pretty much a committee committee approach between him and Alvin Kamara. It yeah. wasn't like he was the the you know the yes. the full workhorse kind of back. They were just their offensive line played so well and the threat of their receivers and Drew Brees still on the field opens things up for that team and that's why they're able to score these, you know, long rushing touchdowns or even multiple rushing touchdowns from within the red zone. Over the same time period, let me read you the carries for Alvin Kamara. 8 5 9 1 you get hurt. 12-12-9. Not a single game with more than 12 carries for Alvin Kamara. Both these guys are bandied about Florio as first-round picks next year. Are you confident taking either of these guys as a first-round pick when I've told you not one of them over the last seven weeks of the season, despite how dynamic both of them were, had more than 15 carries in any game? Yeah, I probably will. Both like of them? The, they'll probably both go in the back half of the first round. I don't know if I'd necessarily be the one to do it, um, but I they're going to go there, and it's I can't knock someone for taking them there. I mean, yeah, the, the workload isn't going to be there, but you don't... When these guys are, are as good as they are and as efficient as they are, I think like like it's hard for me to look at Alvin Kamara, who in one in a stretch in PPR had four weeks out of five where he was not a RB one, he was the RB one. It's hard for me to look at that and just think, yeah, I don't want any part to do with this guy. Greg, I brought up uh, football outsiders, the work they do with offensive lines earlier on in the show. In both run blocking and pass protection, the New Orleans Saints were the number two offensive line. And that was an area that they addressed in the offseason. They addressed it in the, the draft. draft. Yep. They drafted Ryan Ramchick, mm-hmm. and he did a very good job. Uh, it all starts with the offensive line, and that's going to be a common theme that we see here. That's something that we spoke about uh, yesterday with quarterback bust, some running back bust, DeMarco Murray. The Browns didn't live up to what we expected them to do. Those guys are breaking it down. We're going to take a quick break. Then hour number two, Fantasy Football Rewind coming up next. So don't go anywhere. Fantasy Football Rewind. If you want to win at Fantasy Sports, wouldn't you listen to people who have already won at Fantasy Sports? I'm here to tell you about DailyRoto.com. Don't be intimidated by the DraftKings and FanDuel Sharks, even the Fantasy Draft Sharks. The guys at DailyRoto.com have not only won a million dollars amongst one of the writers, but they've created three others. That's four people who have won millionaire contests from this content alone. Don't be fooled by screenshots talking about $25,000 winners from other places. Go to DailyRoto.com where they have a proven track record of creating millionaires. DailyRoto.com. Tell Greg Sussman say it. Are you struggling with addiction or alcohol problems? If you're depressed, drinking, and using drugs, you may need help. And the Affordable Care Act guarantees coverage of substance abuse. I knew I could get myself out of this. I just needed some hope and some help. I took the first step to recovery when I made the call. Call the Addiction Hope and Helpline now for a free assessment with someone who cares. Call 800-894-5559. 800-894-5559. I feel like I'm losing control. I'm afraid I'll lose my 
job or even my family. Call now for hope and help with proven gentle recovery programs. I never thought that I could be somebody who didn't drink and use drugs. I'm in recovery, getting the help I need. Call the Addiction Hope and Helpline now for a free... Join the family at Modell Sporting Goods. Visit your nearest Modells and sign up for our MVP Rewards Program to receive insider deals all year round. Earn points on every purchase when you use your MVP card to earn Modell's cash back. It's our way of thanking you for being a loyal customer. Upon signing up, receive 10% off your purchase and 15% off your next purchase. It's that simple. Plus, new MVPs this month are eligible to win a $500 Modell's gift card. When you got to play more and pay less, you got to go to Mo's. Does your favorite fantasy sports show pair banging on the table demanding shots? Drinks on Greg. Drinks on Greg. Drinks on Greg. With deep, smart Kareem Hunt analysis? If not, then I think the fantasy BFFs are for you. Every weekday at 11 a.m. here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network and on YouTube Live, join Greg Sussman, Frank Stanfill, Mike Florio, and NXT wrestler Eric Young for some of the best, most enjoyable, most imaginative fantasy analysis out there. Don't get your fantasy from boring people. Yo! This is the Fantasy Football Best Friends Forever. Check out the Fantasy BFFs 11 a.m. every weekday only on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network and the Fantasy Sports YouTube page. Yo, 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 welcome back. Hour number two, Fantasy Football Rewind. We're back. We're better than ever. And I'll tell you right now, I'm uh, I'm not going to waste any time. Let's get to Gabe Morency and his thoughts on John Gruden back with the Raiders. The L.A., Las Vegas, Oakland Raiders. Playoffs are starting to put it together already for next year. And I'll never forget, this is what makes Bill Belichick so good. Uh, when Bill Belichick was asked after the Patriots came back from the 28-3 victory uh, last year in the Super Bowl, he said, Coach, what are you thinking right now? And this was at the press conference after, like moments after the game. He said, Coach, uh, what are you thinking about right now? How does it feel? He goes, actually, it doesn't feel very good. I'm thinking about how we're, uh, we're six weeks behind the rest of the league when it comes to preparing for next year and the draft. <laughs> so the next year preparations have already started. It's, it's go time right now. And we've got quite a few coaching positions available in the National Football League. Uh, Chuck Pagano, gone. Chuck Pagano, he had to go. Um, listen, the players played hard for him, but he really didn't bring anything to the table. There was no adjustments. There was no next level with Chuck Pagano. They really weren't going anywhere. Andrew Luck has actually regressed. They were better when Bruce Arians was their coach. And you know, can you imagine now that Chuck Pagano's out, if Arians pops back up? In Indianapolis, it would make sense, wouldn't it? I don't like the way Arians handle things on the way out here, in which, now listen, whatever. I'm a big Arians fan. Maybe I'm a little bitter. I lost some money on Arizona over the last couple of years. I don't think Arians is as good as he thinks he is, but I think Arians is better than most coaches are in the National Football League still. But that's not saying much. Sort of like the quarterback play, you know what I mean? Arians isn't an idiot. I'll I'll give him that. (laughs) 
I'll give you that. You know, it's like, you're not, you're not an idiot. You're not a horrible coach. But, uh, yeah, so Pagano's out of the Colts. Are the Colts a really desirable job? Eh. Andrew Luck, his shoulder. You know, the Colts do have some talent, though. It's a decent situation. It's a winnable division. So the Colts are somewhat of a decent job. The Arizona Cardinals, it's a bad job. They don't even have a quarterback on a roster right now. Arians didn't leave them in a good spot. And my whole deal with Arians is there was, we all knew the Arians was stepping down or getting pushed out or was a mutual or whatever. And, you know, so they said, oh, it's going to be Arians' last game. And he got all mad, said it's fake news, the media doesn't know anything and all that crap. And then, you know, four days later he retires. Well, or has he retired? That, that'll be the question. A lot of palace intrigue going on here. But Arizona's not a great job right now. They don't have a quarterback. They're an aging team. They do have some talent, but it's not the best job. John Fox out with Chicago. Pretty good job, Chicago. You know, you've got a young GM, though, that's kind of, you know, doesn't really know what the hell he's doing, to be honest with you, and the Ryan Pace dude. But it is a traditional program, you know, big-time brand. It's a tough division that you're in with the Vikings and the Packers, though, and the Lions. You do have Mitch Trubisky, so if you like Trubisky and you're a coach, not a horrible job. Uh, Cincinnati Bengals, sort of like the uh, the Colts job. It's a job. You know, there's some talent there. It's a job, but it turns out Marvin Lewis gets the job. <laughs> Which, you know, I'm wearing a Bengals jersey right now, and there's a lot of Bengal love from Buffalo Bill Mafia as of late, but I don't know. It's kind of a strange move bringing Lewis back, and now we're going to bring Dalton back as well. I can live with Lewis coming back more so than Dalton, and even though Dalton's a great kid that saved the Buffalo Bill's ass, fact of the matter is, I, you know, it's weird with the Bengals. The Bengals don't suck. They had a ton of injuries this year, but the Dolphins are the same team every year under this regime, right? Which leads me into the Raiders. So the Raiders, Jack Del Rio basically says that they're pushing me out. Jack Del Rio's out. Gruden's not denying it. It's real. Chucky's back, baby. Chucky's back. And I find it interesting right now that a lot of people in the media, I guess it's jealousy. Uh, maybe Gruden wasn't nice to them. Maybe he's a competitor, etc. But I'm noticing a lot of the mainstream media hacks are actually writing pretty negative articles about, uh, about John Gruden. And, you know, saying that John Gruden's just an, actually an average coach. Well, I don't know. John Gruden took the Raiders to what? The AFC Conference Championship game? Uh, he won a Super Bowl with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So let's look at John Gruden's numbers a little bit here. 95 and 81. 95 and 81 as a head coach overall. That's in 11 seasons in, in, in uh, regular season. 5 and 4 in the playoffs. 38 and 26 with the Raiders. 2 and 2 in the playoffs. 57 and 55 with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 3 and 2. In the playoffs. Is he a perfect coach? No. Uh, but is he a better coach than Jack Del Rio? Hell yeah. And, you know, the Raiders were in a similar situation in which they needed to shake things up. And I think that Gruden is the perfect coach. And out of all the teams that we just mentioned, the Colts, uh, the Cardinals, the Bears, the Bengals, the Raiders, Malarkey is going to get fired in Tennessee. That's not a bad job with all the talent that they have. Uh, but the Raiders is clearly the sexiest and the best job available. And they got the sexiest and best jo- guy available for this job. And when I say sexy, I don't mean his looks. Although I, hey, I'm not that uh, I'm not that fragile enough that oh, did you just call him sexy? I meant a sexy hire. <laughs> oh, he's a he's not an ugly man. <laughs> kind of looks like Chucky the doll, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but um, anyway, so you got the Raiders. Yeah, listen, Raider Nation loves them. They need some goodwill there. People in Oakland aren't happy with them. They're leaving. Plus, if Gruden hangs around a couple of years, is there a better coach? 
than John Gruden, man, going into Las Vegas with the Raiders. And the thing about Gruden is he's on top of the league still. He's 54 years old right now, which isn't old for a coach. He still relates with the players because he's very enthusiastic. Come on. He's like he's 24 or something like that, his personality. He's been around the players in the league, man, team meetings, quarterbacks. He's broken down tape for Monday Night Football. He's got his quarterback camps, his quarterback sessions, in which he breaks down the prospects. So Gruden, Gruden still has his hands on top of the uh, of the league uh, right now. It's not as if though you're pulling some guy out of retirement that doesn't know what the hell's going on uh, anymore. Um, I give two thumbs up, and uh, I say welcome back, Chucky. Hey, the NFL is a better place if John Gruden's in it. There you have it. I agree with Gabe Morency 110. percent Welcome back, Johnny. You're getting it done. I'm getting it done. And when we come back from break, we're going to get it done together. I'm going to break down DFN's information with you. So let's get fired up. Let's get a, let's get excited, man. Let's get excited. Stay tuned for more Fantasy Football Rewind. 